Book One, Chapter Seventeen of *The Leopard's Spots* by Thomas Dixon Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Michelle Fry. Book One, Legree's Regime. Chapter Seventeen: The Second Reign of Terror. It was the bluest Monday the Reverend John Durham ever remembered in his ministry a long drought had parched the corn into twisted and stunted little stalks that looked as though they had been burnt in a prairie fire the fire had destroyed the wheat crop and the cotton was dying in the blistering sun of august and a blight worse than drought or flood or pestilence brooded over the stricken land flinging the shadow of its black death over every home the tax-gatherer of the new quote, republican form of government recently established in north carolina now demanded his pound of flesh the sunday before had been a peculiarly hard one for the preacher he had tried by the sheer power of personal sympathy to lift the despairing people out of their gloom and make strong their faith in god in his morning sermon he had torn his heart open and given them its red blood to drink at the night service he could not rally from the nerve tension of the morning he felt that he had pitiably failed the whole day seemed a failure black and hopeless all day long the sorrowful stories of ruin and loss of homes were poured into his ears the sheriff had advertised for sale for taxes two thousand three hundred and twenty homes in campbell county the land under such conditions had no value it was only a formality for the auctioneer to cry it and knock it down for the amount of the tax bill as he arose from bed with the burden of all this hopeless misery crushing his soul a sense of utter exhaustion and loneliness came over him my love i must go back to bed and try to sleep i lay awake last night until two o'clock i can't eat anything he said to his wife as she announced breakfast john dear don't give up like that can't help it but you must come here's something that will tone you up i found this note under the front door this morning what is it i noticed from some of your admirers that you must leave this county in forty-eight hours or take the consequences he looked at this anonymous letter and smiled not such a failure then after all am i he mused i thought that would help you she laughed yes i can take breakfast on the strength of that he spread this letter out beside his plate and read and re-read it as he ate while his eyes flashed with a strange half-humorous light really that's fine isn't it Quote, you sower of sedition and rebellion hypocrite and false prophet the day has come to clean this county of treason and traitors if you dare to urge the people to further resistance to authority there will be one traitor less in this county End quote. that sounds like the voice of a daniel come to judgment don't it i think ezra perkins might know something about it i am sure of it well i'm duly grateful it's done for you what your wife couldn't do cheered you up this morning that is so isn't it it takes a violent poison sometimes to stimulate the heart's action now if you will work the garden for me where i've been watering it the past month you will be yourself by dinner time i will that's about all we've got to eat i've had no salary in two months and i've no prospects for the next two months 
he was at work in the garden when charlie gaston suddenly ran through the gate toward him his face was red his eyes streaming with tears and his breath coming in gasps doctor they've killed nels mama says please come down to our house as quick as you can is he dead charlie he's most dead i found him down in the woods lying in a gully one leg is broken there's a big gash over his eye his back is beat to a jelly and one of his arms is broken we put him in the wagon and hauled him to the house i'm afraid he's dead now oh me the boy broke down and choked with sobs run charlie for the doctor and i'll be there in a minute the boy flew through the gate to the doctor's house when the preacher reached mrs gaston's aunt eve was wiping the blood from nels's mouth the lord have mercy my poor old man's done killed who could have done this eve them union leaguers they say they was going to kill him for not joining him and for trying to vote again him i've been afraid of it sighed the preacher as he felt nels's pulse yes sir and now's day's done it my poor old man i wish i'd have been better to him lord jesus help me now eve knelt by the bed and laid her face against nels's while the tears rained down her black face aunt eve it may not be so bad said the preacher hopefully his pulse is getting stronger he has an iron constitution i believe he will pull through if there are no internal injuries praise god if he do get well i tell you now master john i'll fling a spell on them niggers about this i am afraid you can do nothing with them the courts are all in the hands of these scoundrels and the governor of the state is at the head of the leagues i don't want no coats master john i's cold enough i can conjure them niggers without any coats the doctor pronounced his injuries dangerous but not necessarily fatal charlie and dick watched with eve that night until nearly midnight nels opened his eyes and saw the eager face of the boy his eyes yet red from crying i ain't dead honey he moaned oh nels i'm so glad don't you believe i gwine die i gwine get even with them niggers fore i leave this world nels spoke feebly but there was a way about his saying it that boded no good for his enemies and eve was silent as nels improved eve's wrath steadily rose the next day she met in the street one of the negroes who had threatened nels how's mr gaston this morning ma'am he asked without a word of warning she sprang on him like a tigress bore him to the ground grasped him by the throat and pounded his head against a stone she would have choked him to death had not a man who was passing come to the rescue let me alone man i's doing the work of god you're committing murder woman when the negro got up he jumped the fence and tore down through a cornfield as though pursued by a hundred devils and now and then glancing over his shoulder to see if eve were after him the preacher tried in vain to bring the perpetrators of this outrage on nels to justice he identified six of them positively they were arrested and when put on trial immediately discharged by the judge who was himself a member of the league that had ordered nels whipped tom cam's daughter was now in her sixteenth year and as plump and winsome a lassie her scotch mother declared as the lord ever made 
she was engaged to be married to hose norman a gallant poor white from the high hill country at the foot of the mountains hose came to see her every sunday riding a black mule gaily trapped out in martingales with red rings double girths to his saddle and a flaming red tassel tied on each side of the bridle tom was not altogether pleased with his future son-in-law he was too wild went to too many frolics danced too much drank too much whiskey and was too handy with a revolver annie child you'd better think twice before you step off with that young buck tom gravely warned his daughter as he stroked her fair hair one sunday morning while she waited for hose to escort her to church i have thought of that a hundred times paul but what's the use i love him he can just twist me round his little finger i've got to have him tom camp you don't want to forget you were not a saint when i stood up with you one day cried his wife with a twinkle in her eye that's a fact old woman grinned tom you never gave me a day's trouble after i got hold of you sometimes the wildest colts make the safest horses yes that's so it's owing to who has the breaking of em thoughtfully answered tom i like hose he's full of fun but he'll settle down and make her a good husband the girl slipped close to her mother and squeezed her hand do you love him much child asked the father well enough to live and scrub and work for him and to die for him i reckon all right that settles it you're too many for me you and hose and your ma get ready for it quick we'll have the wedding wednesday night this home is going to be sold thursday for taxes and it will be our last night under our own roof we'll make the best of it it was so fixed on wednesday night hose came down from the foothills with three kindred spirits and an old fiddler to make the music he wanted to have a dance and plenty of liquor fresh from the mountain dew district but tom put his foot down on it no dancing in my house hose and no liquor said tom with emphasis i'm a deacon in the baptist church i used to be young and as good-looking as you my boy but i've done with them things you're going to take my little gal now i want you to quit your foolishness and be a man i will tom i will she is the prettiest sweetest little thing in this world and to tell you the truth i'm going to settle right down now to the hardest work i ever did in my life that's the way to talk my boy said tom putting his hand on hose's shoulder you'll have enough to do these hard times to make a living they made a handsome picture in that humble home as they stood there before the preacher the young bride was trembling from head to foot with fright hose was trying to look grave and dignified and grinning in spite of himself whenever he looked into the face of his blushing mate the mother was standing near her face full of pride in her daughter's beauty and happiness her heart all a-quiver with the memories of her own wedding day seventeen years before tom was thinking of the morrow when he would be turned out of his home and his eyes filled with tears the reverend john durham had pronounced them man and wife and hurried away to see some people who were sick the old fiddler was doing his best hose and his bride were shaking hands with their friends and the boys were trying to tease the bridegroom with hoary old jokes suddenly a black shadow fell across the doorway the fiddle ceased and every eye was turned to the door the burly figure of a big negro trooper from a company stationed in the town stood before them 
his face was in a broad grin and his eyes bloodshot with whiskey he brought his musket down on the floor with a bang my friends i'm sorry to disturb you but i has orders to search this house show your orders said tom hobbling before him well there's one of em he said still grinning as he cocked his gun and presented it toward tom and if dat ain't enough dey's fifteen mo's stand around dis house it's no use to make a fuss come on boys before tom could utter another word of protest six more negro troopers laughing and nudging one another crowded into the room suddenly one of them threw a bucket of water in the fireplace where a pine knot blazed and two others knocked out the candles there was a scuffle a quick thud of heavy blows and hose norman fell to the floor senseless a piercing scream rang from his bride as she was seized in the arms of the negro who first appeared he rapidly bore her to the door surrounded by the six scoundrels who had accompanied him my god save her they are dragging annie out of the house shrieked her mother help help lord have mercy screamed the girl as they bore her away toward the woods still laughing and yelling tom overtook one of them snatched his wooden leg off and knocked him down Hose's mountain boys were crowding around Tom with their pistols in their hands. What shall we do, Tom? If we shoot, we may kill Annie. Shoot, men. My God, shoot. There are things worse than death. They needed no urging. Like young tigers, they sprang across the orchard toward the woods, whence came the sound of the laughter of the negroes. Stop the screeching, cried the leader. she never get that gag out now. Too smart for the poor white trash this time, so, laughed one three pistol shots rang out like a single report three more and three more there was a wild scramble taken completely by surprise the negroes fled in confusion four lay on the ground two were dead one mortally wounded and three more had crawled away with bullets in their bodies there in the midst of the heap lay the unconscious girl gagged is she hurt cried a mountain boy can't tell take her to the house quick they laid her across the bed in the room that had been made sweet and tidy for the bride and groom the mother bent over her quickly with a light just where the blue veins crossed in her delicate temple there was a round hole from which a scarlet stream was running down her white throat without a word the mother brought tom showed it to him and then fell into his arms and burst into a flood of tears don't don't cry so annie it might have been worse let us thank god she was saved from them brutes hose's friends crowded around tom now with tear-stained faces tom you don't know how broke up we all are over this poor child we did the best we could it's all right boys you've been my friends tonight you've saved my little gal i want to shake hands with you and thank you if you hadn't been here my god i can't think of what would have happened now it's all right she's safe in god's hands the next morning when tom camp called at the parsonage to see the preacher and arrange for the funeral of his daughter he found him in bed dr durham is quite sick mr camp but he'll see you said mrs durham thank you ma'am she took the old soldier by the hand and her voice choked as she said you have my heart's deepest sympathy in your awful sorrow it'll be all for the best ma'am the lord gave and the lord has taken away
i will still say blessed is the name of the lord i wish i had such faith she led tom into the room where the preacher lay why what's this preacher a bandage over your eye looks like somebody knocked you in the head yes tom but it's nothing i'll be all right by tomorrow you needn't tell me anything that happened at your house i've heard the black hell-lit news it will be all over the county by night and the town will be full of grim-visaged men before many hours your child has not died in vain a few things like this will be the trumpet of the god of our fathers that will call the sleeping manhood of the anglo-saxon race to life again i must be up and about this afternoon to keep down the storm it is not time for it to break but preacher what happened to you oh nothing much tom i'll tell you what happened cried mrs durham standing erect with her great dark eyes flashing with anger as he came home last night from a visit to the sick he was ambushed by a gang of negroes led by a white scoundrel knocked down bound and gagged and placed on a pile of dry fence rails they set fire to the pile and left him to burn to death it attracted the attention of dr graham who was passing he got to him in time to save him you don't say so i'm sorry tom i'm so weak this morning i couldn't come to see you i know your poor wife is heartbroken yes sir she is and it cuts me to the quick when i think that i gave the orders to the boys to shoot but preacher i'd have killed her with my own hand if i couldn't have saved her no other way i'd do it over again a thousand times if i had to i don't blame you i'd have done the same thing i can't come see you today tom i'll be down to your house tomorrow a few minutes before we start for the cemetery i must get up for dinner and prevent the men from attacking these troops they'll not dare to try to sell your place today the public square is full of men now and it's only nine o'clock you go home and cheer up your wife how is hose he's still in bed the doctor says his skull is broken in one place but he'll be over it in a few weeks tom hobbled back to his house shaking hands with scores of silent men on the way the preacher crawled to his desk and wrote this note to the young officer in command of the post my dear captain in the interest of peace and order i would advise you to telegraph to independence for two companies of white regulars to come immediately on a special and that you start your negro troops on double quick marching order to meet them there will be a thousand armed men in hambright by sundown and no power on earth can prevent the extermination of that negro company if they attack them i will do my best to prevent further bloodshed but i can do nothing if these troops remain here today respectfully john durham the commandant acted on the advice immediately it was the week following before the sales began there was no help for it the town and the county were doomed to a ruin more complete and terrible than the four years of the war had brought independence had been saved by a skillful movement of general worth who sought an interview with legree when his council first issued their levy of thirty per cent for municipal purposes mr legree let's understand one another said the general all right i'm a man of reason a bird in hand is worth two in the bush every time general 
well call off your dogs and rescind your order for the thirty percent tax levy and i'll raise thirty thousand dollars in cash and pay it to you in two days make it fifty thousand and it's a bargain agreed the general raised twenty thousand in the city went north and borrowed the remaining thirty thousand legree and his brigands received this ransom and moved on to the next town poor hambright was but a scrawny little village on a red hill with no big values to be saved and no mills to interest the commercial world and the auctioneer lifted his hammer end of book one chapter seventeen